0: Welcome to the Michigan Minds podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. Thank you so much for joining us today on Michigan Minds. Before we get started talking about your research, do you mind introducing yourself and a little bit about your role
1: at the University of Michigan? Yes, I'm so glad to be here. My name is Melissa Borja, and I'm assistant professor in the Department of American Culture, and I'm also core faculty in the Asian Pacific Islander American Studies Program. Thank
0: you so much for sharing that. Your most recent research focuses on anti Asian racism and Asian American activism during COVID-19. Could you speak a little bit about that research and the work that you and your team have done this far?
1: Yes, since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, I, along with many other Asian Americans who are aware of the um, ways that coronavirus fears have been associated with anti-Asian racism, have been tracking how Asian Americans have been experiencing harassment, discrimination, violence, and more. And so I'm the leader of the Virulent Hate Project it is an initiative that I started in 2020, and it is a team based at the University of Michigan with researchers from also all across the country uh, that studies anti-Asian racism and Asian American anti-racism activism, specifically related to the COVID-19 pandemic. We've contributed research to stop API hate and also created our own reports, maps, and resources. So one thing we've been keeping track of is we've been reading through all of the newspaper articles for 2020 and 2021, trying to find any mention of how Asian Americans have experienced harassment, discrimination, violence, and stigmatization, Um, and we've also kept track of all the different ways that people have done to respond to these problems. We've reviewed over 4,000 news articles just for 2020 and identified over 1,000 unique incidents of anti-Asian racism that occurred in the US between January 1st and December 31st, 2020. We're still in the process of looking at material for 2021. The volume of news media on the topic of anti-Asian racism increased substantially in that year. Um, But we're excited to share our findings on that when they're ready. Thank you so much for sharing that.
0: So you've taken a historical approach to researching this anti-Asian racism incidents that have happened kind of prior to the COVID-19 pandemic as well. What are some of the differences that you have seen?
1: Well, one thing that I think is important for us to keep in mind is that in many ways, the acts of racism and violence that we're seeing in the current moment is specific to the tensions of 2020 and 2021, specifically the COVID-19 pandemic, but also rising US-China tensions. And that in many ways is specific to the current moment But the anti-Asian racism that we're seeing is in many ways an expression of deep rooted yellow peril fears. And yellow peril is the idea that Asian and Asian American people are a threat to the health, the prosperity, the racial purity of the United States. Um, We've seen examples of yellow peril fears enacted against Asian and Asian American people in the past. The best examples, for example, are um, the exclusion of Chinese migrants, the incarceration of Japanese Americans during the Second World War, and the racist treatment of Asian Americans in the 1980s during the time of um, declines in the U.S. automobile industry in Michigan. So one thing that we are seeing now is that the attacks that Asian Americans are experiencing experiencing, in many ways, articulate the specificity of the moment. People are being attacked and they're, all, they're being shouted at um, terms like China virus um, or uh, Kung flu. And the attacks, again, reflect the COVID-19 pandemic. But lots of times people are experiencing attacks and they're being attacked while some of the same old Stereotypes are reproduced. So a lot of the incidents will involve people saying, go back to where you come from. And that phrase uh, evokes the perpetual foreigner idea, the idea that Asian Americans aren't true Americans, and that preexisted. Uh, before the pandemic. So one thing that I'll always say is that in so many ways, the pandemic brought to the surface long-standing pre-existing conditions of racism. Um, And this is true in a variety of fronts. This is definitely true when it comes to Asian Americans and their experiences of discrimination um, and um, violence.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that as well. Could you discuss some of the different types of harassment incidences that were documented and where these incidents took place?
1: So one thing I think is really important to keep in mind is that hate crimes get a lot of attention in the United States. And to be sure the event that got the most news coverage in 2020 was actually a hate crime. It was the stabbing of a Burmese family in Midland, Texas. It was a Burmese American father and his two young sons. They were shopping in March 2020. They were stabbed in the face by a man who accused them of bringing the coronavirus to the United States. That was investigated as a hate crime, and the FBI actually announced at the time that they predicted that there would be a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans. Indeed, that was found by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at CSU San Bernardino. They found that in the 16 largest cities in the United States, hate crimes against Asian Americans increased about 149%. But as much as hate crimes get a lot of attention, uh, it's important to know that a lot, actually the majority of incidents of racism and discrimination that Asian Americans experience aren't actually crimes or hate crimes to be specific. Um, A lot of the incidents are incidents of verbal harassment, nonverbal harassment, like being shunned or barred from using a business, um, vandalism and graffiti, being Zoom bombed, um, and there are, of course, forms of violence, people being hit, shoved, spat upon. Um, but I think it's important for us to remember that anti Asian racism has taken many forms. Hate crimes get a lot of attention, but Um, All forms of anti-Asian racism do harm, even the ones that are not crimes and are not violent. Um, And I think it's important also to remember that these incidents have taken place in all sorts of places. As Asian-Americans are going about their daily lives, they've taken place in grocery stores, in schools. One of the most alarming figures I heard was that one in four Asian-American youths experienced racist bullying during the pandemic. And in many instances, Uh, there was an adult present who did not intervene. So it's important for us to think about how all um, sectors of the Asian-American population are at risk, the youth, the elderly, people all across the country, as they're going about their daily lives in all um, spaces. Thank you. Could you
0: share some of these stories that you have collected and how these individuals or these communities
1: have responded to this recent surge in racism and violence? Mm Yeah, so I actually live in Indiana. I pay attention to a lot of the incidents that take place close to where I live. So I'll give a few examples that occurred near my home. Um, One incident that I find really interesting is um, in April 2020, a Korean-American doctor was refused the opportunity to pump gas at a gas station not far from where I live. This was striking to me because... This was a moment when we were really celebrating healthcare workers and honoring all of their sacrifices to help keep us safe and to battle a really scary virus. And this doctor at a gas station was accused of bringing the coronavirus to the United States and denied the opportunity to even pump gas. So that was really interesting to me because you can see how even as we were holding people up as heroes, their race caused them to be seen as a threat. Um, Other things that I find interesting that took place in Indiana that I think are more hopeful are times when people experienced harassment, um, discrimination, graffiti, and people gathered around and said, it's not okay for that to happen in our community. So I find it really encouraging, for example, um, all of the stories of people organizing protests, shows of support. Um, There was one incident in upstate New York, where a pastor used stigmatizing rhetoric about the, um, about the coronavirus using terms like China virus, used this in social media posts and people were upset. But members of his own congregation also spoke out against that pastor and said, it is not okay for people to use racist language, stigmatizing language. Um, and so you can see members of a church community Um, Taking their own pastors uh, and and holding them into account, um, which I find really important to see when we see people taking responsibility for the actions in their own community and saying, this is not okay, I find that important to highlight.
0: Through your research you've identified some communities and nonprofit organizations that serve the Asian American population. Could you speak a little bit about those organizations and some
1: of the work that they do? So one of the things that we did about halfway through our project is create a database of all of the Asian American serving community organizations in the United States. Now, one thing I always say when I talk to community groups who are saying, what should we do about anti-Asian racism during COVID, is I say, you should get involved in your local community, because one of the most powerful things we can do is to focus on local change, focus on practical efforts we can do to help the neighbors directly around us. And that involve, involves joining the local organization of the Chinese American students, for example, or a local group that focuses on racial justice. So we used a nonprofit database and search for all of the groups in the United States that are described as, centering on the needs of Asian American community groups. And this is available on our website. And over the course of the past year, we've been using social media to highlight the different community organizations and the ways that they are um, serving Asian Americans um, in this really complex moment. One thing that I think is really neat is the great variety of things that Asian Americans are doing to respond. We are seeing Asian Americans ask city council members to issue resolutions condemning hate. We're seeing Asian American activists call for changes in K through 12 curriculum, anti-racism and anti-bullying educational programming. We're seeing people um, call for greater resources for people to know how to walk safely home. Um, We are seeing people um, share resources for how to do bystander intervention uh, and de-escalation trainings. And so I just love seeing the creative ways that Asian Americans are taking action, often taking action with other groups who have been targeted in the past, other people of color, for example. And um, I think that this is just really encouraging. And one thing that I, would love us to do moving forward is to learn from the examples of the people around us. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We can see and learn from other folks who are are experimenting and doing useful work on the ground.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And we'll be sure to link to your website as well in the summary piece so that people can go and find those nonprofits and those organizations. What can people do in their own communities to help mitigate this racism, discrimination, violence, and harassment?
1: So I think there's a lot of stuff we can do. I think we can learn about Asian American history and make sure we educate ourselves about Asian American experiences, understand how during times of crisis, whether it's a public health crisis or a time of geopolitical tension, we can see incidents like this happen, but we can also make meaningful change and take meaningful action. Um, I think it's useful for us to practice talking about racism, practice interrupting racist language when we encounter it. It can be really hard to hear someone at a work meeting or at the dinner table say something that is harmful and being not sure what to respond is a terrible feeling, but practicing learning how to respond and interrupt when people are doing or saying harmful things is really useful. On that note, taking a bystander uh, intervention class or de-escalation class is really, really helpful. An organization that used to be called but is now called Right to Be, does a lot of these trainings. This is useful for Asian Asian Americans, but it's useful for any group um, that has historically been the target of harassment, violence, and discrimination. Um, I think it's really important for us to continue to insist on responsible language regarding the coronavirus. Um, There has been pretty interesting research that has found that language like China virus and Kung flu increases stigmatization and increases anti-Asian bias. It's important for us to practice responsible language and insist that our leaders do the same. And finally, I think it's really important to work together to actively build safe, inclusive communities where all people can thrive. Uh, what that's so important is that we can't just focus on stopping anti-Asian hate we need to focus on building safe and inclusive communities. And this means um, working together to make sure that communities have human rights commissions or state advisory commissions for um, Asian Americans. It means that we are making sure people know how to report incidents when they happen. People know uh, their neighbors and know how to respond to incidents when they occur. Um, so I think that it's, really critical for us to, you know, be proactive in thinking about the ways we can be um, able to, again, promote safety and inclusion.
0: Now that we're kind of wrapping up, is there something that you hope that everyone listening kind of remembers from our conversation?
1: I would want everyone to remember that anti-Asian racism is a real problem. It's been with us for a long time, Given the context of US-China tensions, I don't expect it to go away anytime soon, to be perfectly frank. But we can all play a part in creating safe and inclusive communities. And we can all play a part in making sure no one fears going to a grocery store or walking down the street or sending their children to school. Um, This is not just a problem that researchers like myself or racial justice activists Uh, Can address. It takes everyone playing a part in making sure we um, create communities that affirm the worth and dignity of all of its people.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It was very great information that we've learned.
1: It is my delight. Thank you so much for taking time to talk with me, and I hope all of you stay well and safe.
0: Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds Podcast a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.